Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team won a lopsided game on Saturday, this time in the Big Ten opener against Rutgers. From the big plays to the dominant second half to the brief moments of concern, we break it all down coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, good to be with you here Sunday night, September 24th, uh, day after Michigan's 31-7 to win over Rutgers at Michigan Stadium. That game uh, was a push as far as the uh, betting line that we use for our uh, MLive Big Ten staff picks. Uh, but all the other games had a winner, and I was on the right side of all eight of them. You know, my my in-laws are here this weekend, and uh, my father-in-law noted that I was in last place uh, among, you know, the, the five of us, and it inspired me. And undefeated week, so I think I'll be moving up. That's really annoying because I think I got like one or two wins, so I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of upset that you brought that up right now. <laughs> you, you definitely gained ground on me because I think I was 4-4-1 four, four and one for the weekend. So you gained mm-hmm. a few games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, it might be worth you know discussing some of those games real quick before we get into Michigan, because uh, I mean, you know, yeah, of course, Michigan's top rival, uh, Ohio State, played a you know marquee game against uh, Notre Dame, and it was you know as, as exciting as can get. You don't really have uh, walk off wins in football, and I guess you didn't in this game either. They added a second to um, prohibit that from happening, but still, you know, the last. Uh, you know, right in the final second, scoring a touchdown like that, pretty wild. Instant classic. I, I watched pretty much everything, and it was it was great. It, it was a low, lower scoring game than I think most of us thought. Uh, at the end, I thought Notre Dame was going to pull it out and win the game, and then sure enough, Ohio State comes and, and gets that score at the very end. And then Ryan Day proceeds to to like cut like a pro wrestling promo in the post game interview <laughs> afterwards. He was that was I, I've seen I've seen Ryan Day a lot during his time at Ohio State. He's a very you know at least publicly he's a very like even keel type of guy he's he never really raises his voice much i've never seen him like that before that was insane yeah i don't know what it, what's going on with these college coaches getting so offended by what the, these like geriatrics are saying on college game day i mean the washington state coach got upset about something corso said i mean lou holtz like our, of course he's trying to like stick up for notre dame like i mean come on ryan day like i was watching that i'm like uh psycho like uh yeah i mean you, you 
don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we had some things going on in the house, and I was like, wait, wait, did he? He's talking. He, Marcus Freeman was saying something. No, he's talking about Lou Holtz, the coach from way back when. I was like, this is why, why? Yeah, you got to remember. I mean, right? There's this perception currently that that Ohio State isn't this big, bad, tough team, right? They've lost to Michigan the last couple of years. They they can't, you know, they can't win national titles. So I I really think that's starting to seep in to the culture there at Ohio State that like they're known at least outside the building, outside of Columbus, as this soft team. And it, I mean, it almost came back to bite them in the butt again last night, right? They had that fourth down jet sweep call that they couldn't get. Very bizarre. Um, at the end, they pulled it out. Credit to Ohio State, credit to Ryan Day. That was a badly needed win, and, and, and they sure, certainly got it. You know what I was thinking when I was watching most of that game? I'm like, is the Michigan-Ohio State game this year going to be low scoring? I mean, Notre Dame's offense coming into the game was a high-powered offense. I mean, Ohio State still has a lot of weapons, and it was 3 nothing at halftime and 17-14 to 14 final. I mean, that's pretty low scoring with two uh, power programs there too. So it's like, hmm. With unknown weather and and I mean Michigan's offense hasn't really lit it up on on running and passing the ball yet this year, so it's like hmm, I wonder if we could have one of those kind of smash mouth type of games in uh, in November. Certainly could. Uh, okay, yeah, Penn State, Iowa as well. Some you know interesting results from the West. Let let's push those back to to the end of, of this discussion and, and and get into Michigan here. Uh, as I said, thirty one to seven win. Um, you know, and at least at least by the scores, Michigan has now won 30 to 3, 35 to 7, 31 to 6, and 31 to 7. It's it's similar uh, you know, scores in, in all of these games. Um, the difference here was that Rutgers struck first. So for the first time all season, Michigan was trailing. Uh, and it kind of stunned uh, you know, the Michigan Stadium crowd on homecoming. Uh third snap, uh, you know, offensive snap of the game, and and Rutgers uh, you know, hits on a 69-yard touchdown on a on a slant pass and you know, he just he just kept running. Um, but yeah, nothing else for Rutgers after that. Uh, yeah. What did you guys make of, of kind of Michigan's performance in general and and how they, you know, kind of weathered that uh, initial blow? Yeah. If you ask Mikey Sanders still about that, that 69 yard touchdown pass, the only reason they got it was because he screwed up. If you go back and watch the film, he slipped and fell and it kind of created the the opening for the receiver and he um, allowed him to get down the, the, the you know the stream in the middle of the field and, and score easily. Rod Moore didn't bail him out though either because he had an awful tackle attempt there too that could at least save the touchdown. And I mean for I mean his third play of the season and he has to come up and try and make the game or touchdown saving tackle and it, it did not look pretty, but go on. It, it put Michigan on its heels, right? It was the first time all season they had trailed. Uh, we've been waiting on it to happen. Um, you know, in, in previous years, it had taken maybe a little longer for, for a team to strike first, but uh, it was a little surprising. I mean, we'd seen Michigan get off the slow starts all season long. Uh, it was certainly the case again on Saturday, uh, but as we get, we'll get into in a minute, I, I thought the defense handled themselves well. They, they definitely responded very well. Um, very just odd beginning uh, uh, to the game. Will Johnson was back starting quarter. They had Rod Moore back starting safety, so they had a, a fully healthy secondary for the first time all season. And three plays in, they're down seven nothing. Ryan, kind of what were your uh, you know major takeaways before we dive into some of the specifics of this game? Yeah, I mean it seemed it seemed like the Michigan defense was giving up more yards in, in the first half than usual, but like they they were bending, but they never broke. And uh, when they needed a big play, they they came up with it. And I mean, even in the second half, the Rutgers the only time they moved the ball is when Gavin Wimsett absolutely delivered perfect passes to, to move the chains. Other than that, I mean, it was a really solid performance and, 
yeah, it was nice to see them dive into uh, a little bit of a deeper into their playbook and, and open up the playbook a little bit too in Big Ten play and, and connect on some uh, some plays and, and let JJ use his legs a little bit more as well. Yeah, I mean, in the end, Rutgers just gets uh, you know 257 total yards and, and just that one touchdown um, uh, for their points. But you know, they it was it was different than than the non conference games in that they were threatening at least, right? They, they moved into Michigan territory multiple times and just, you know, came up empty. They got, they got inside the Michigan 30 three times actually, and got no points. Um, you know, whether that was missed field goal or, you know, attempting to go for it on, on fourth and, and not, you know, getting it. And then, you know, there was of course the, uh, you know, the interception, um, you know, by, by Mike Sandra still on a, you know, fourth down attempt, um, that he returns for a touchdown to swing the game. So, uh, yeah, Rutgers actually moved the ball maybe a little better, uh, and I think maybe some of us thought they would, but you know, in the end, they just didn't have anything to show for it. This machine defense still, still proving to be pretty elite. It's an identity we had seen in, in the past. You know, Michigan is this bend don't break scheme where they let teams kind of move between the between the forties, uh, and then once they get into whether it's red zone territory or the, the opponent forty, uh, they're able to slow them down either either you know get them to turn it over or they hold them to a field goal. Um, in, in the case of Rutgers, they were able to get up early, but beyond that. Uh, couldn't get much going, and then by the time that they were able to sustain some drives during the second half, I felt like they they felt like they had to they had to score, they had to get a touchdown and not sell for a field goal. So um, it, it was really bizarre because they seemed like they were trying to um, you know run the ball early, establish the run, and then the second half it almost seemed like they abandoned it, even though they're only down in some you know especially early in the second half they're only down only, only down a score. Yeah, and it's, I mean, Rutgers had a couple solid runs early, and, and you're like, oh, man, it's pretty evident that Michigan's missing Mason Graham a little bit. and um, But, I mean, other guys, Kenneth Graham had a, another pretty solid game. Uh, Rayshon Benny and Cam Good got a little bit more in, in the defensive tackle rotation. So, yeah, guys stepped up, and just like the, the secondary in their first three games, I mean, when, when a starter goes down, they, they have a lot of depth this year, and that, that should – should uh, bode well for them uh, moving forward. On the offensive side, I guess, well, what did you make a machine? They ran, they run for 201 yards. Uh, Blake Corum with, with 97 of those yards. Seems like Michigan wanted to get Donovan Edwards going early, you know, whether on handoffs or, or passes or whatever. Um, you know, McCarthy, very efficient, you know, 15, a uh, uh, 21 for 214 yards, one touchdown uh, and, you know, no turnovers for Michigan, which was obviously huge after what happened last week. Yeah. Could you tell Jim Harbaugh was back in the sideline? It was very much a Michigan offense of what we've seen the past couple of years, right? Uh, 40 carries, 21 att- pass attempts. So two to one, uh, you know, basically a two to one ratio there. They're very careful in the way they use JJ, utilized him. Uh, they didn't really put him in the, any you know serious situations that didn't have them force the football. Um, I, I think they really wanted a clean, like careful game from him, and they got it. You know, he played just fine. Uh, didn't make a ton of mistakes, uh, but they were really trying to hammer home the the, uh, the ground game, right? Like Blake Horman, twenty one carries, uh, ninety seven yards, two touchdowns. Thought he ran well. Uh, he, he had a, a good run the first drive. Uh, their effort on their first score at a 14 yard carry where he kind of broke a tackle or two and he's able to fight for some extra yards. It was very much the Blake we had seen in previous years. So uh, they try to get going. Uh, as you, you mentioned, JJ, they utilized him when they could. Um, they still got to get Donovan going six carries, 13 yards. And then they got Khalil Mullings going at the end when the game really didn't matter. So 
very much a ground and pound style of, of play that Michigan wanted to, to play with. They did. The players talked about it afterwards. They wanted to play that smash ball style, style of ball. Um, they knew that was how Rutgers wanted to play coming in, and Michigan kind of wanted to one-up them. Uh, and they were able to do so. You know, it, it became apparent as, as the game went on. You mentioned Donovan Edwards, and it's kind of interesting because in the first half, they, they lined him up in the slot a couple of times. He had a couple of catches, and it's like, all right, yeah, this is what we maybe kind of envisioned with both him and, and Blake out in the field at the same time. And then uh, he had a couple of runs that didn't really go anywhere, and we didn't see him much in, in the second half. So it's like, you're, I, I don't know if he's a little bit in the doghouse for, for, with the coaching staff or what, but yeah, still not a, a heavy workload for him. Um, as far as the receivers going, I mean, a big game for Colson Loveland, but it's like I, I thought maybe Michigan would try and take advantage more of the Rutgers secondary, and, and Cornelius Johnson didn't have any catches after leading the team in receiving entering the, entering the game. Roman Wilson only had three catches. I mean, they were some big catches on, on uh, crossing routes, which which moved the chains, but uh, a little bit uh, quiet from Michigan's top receivers in, in that regard. We, we talked a lot about reliability, right, coming into the season from the receivers. Last year, Cornelius and Roman would have big weeks occasionally, and then they disappear for a while. We've seen that from Roman this year. He's put together a consistent workload every game. This was really the first time where Cornelius Johnson essentially disappeared. Um, but, you know, Colston made up for it. Uh, he's really beginning to take, I, I think, from what I've been able to see, he's really taken the next level. He's become basically a, a 1A option here at receiver, you know, at, obviously tight end, but this is a pass catching target. I mean, I think JJ feels like he can throw it up to him at, at basically any spot and, and, and Colson can go up and get it. And the stat line reflected as much five, five catches for 75 yards. He had the 35 yard uh, uh, catch on that flea flicker that would help set up the touchdown. So uh, another big game for him. I mean, they, they keep utilizing him. He doesn't drop the football. Like they, I think they feel confident they can get the ball to him and, and, and they'll, you know, if we get a catch. So, um, yeah, some, some some things alike, some not. You mentioned Cornelius. They got some Aj Morgan more involved. I, I think they're starting to slowly bring him along, and it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see him more incorporated here in the next next couple of weeks. I thought on that that one Colson Loveland catch in the middle of the field, I thought J.J. initially sailed that pass and was going to go right to the Rutgers defensive back, and all of a sudden you see Colson Loveland out of nowhere leap up and catch it. And, and I mean, he, the Rutgers uh, safety there could have absolutely destroyed him too, And but, I mean, he – Went, got up and held on and, and moved the chains. It's like, wow, that's uh, that's special right there. Yeah, through you know four games so far, catch distribution pretty pretty spread out. Roman Wilson with fifteen, Loveland with fourteen, Cornelius with thirteen, and then Donovan Edwards right behind them at at eleven. Uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, Samaj Morgan. Um, you know the the touchdown catch, one, one other grab. Uh, yeah, we we talked about some of uh, I think it was maybe a trio or you know handful of freshman wide receivers. And, you know, who among them might, you know, have the most impact. Um, yeah. Is this because you've kind of seen it before, right? There's been like this wasn't as big a game as like Andrell Anthony had, you know, went in against Michigan State, um, you know, a couple of years ago. But, um, you know, you've, you've seen this before where a guy has a you know decent game and then maybe you just don't hear from him really the rest of the year. You think that'll be the case here or will he be, you know, out there making plays? Yeah, I, I think he had a catch or two coming into this game. So he has been incorporated. But ironically, with Samaj, like of the three of the freshman receivers we heard about in the spring, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like we heard the least about him. It was more Carmelo English and Fred Moore, right? So um, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be a long-term thing. I, obviously, if you're Michigan, you hope it is. Um, but I, I got to think when you're a true freshman like this, it, it's all about getting their feet, getting their feet wet, getting them confident, 
getting feeling like they can play at you know big boy level, big ten level. Uh, so I, I think a game like Saturday goes a long way for a guy like Samaj Morgan. Uh, we'll see how much they they target him going forward. But I got to think, you know, it, it's nothing but arrows up with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really to to buy his stock too much yet, just because I mean he had those two catches, but he only was on the field for three offensive snaps, and and Frederick Moore was on the field for nine, and like you said, out of all three of those freshmen, uh, Frederick Moore has played the most with 45 snaps this year. Carmelo English second with 33, and Samaj Morgan just 20. So he's making the most of his opportunities, and, and maybe he'll he'll earn more moving forward, but it's not like he's their permissions trying him out there as a is a go-to target for very very frequently, at least not yet. It was, it was a nice play that he made though. That was not he was he wasn't just was. wide open. He did a you know it was it was nice uh, kind of chemistry from from McCarthy and Morgan on, on that touchdown. Uh Jim Harbaugh was back, you know, back on the sidelines um at Michigan Stadium for the first time all season after his three game suspension. Uh what did he have to say about it afterwards? What did the players have to say about it? Everybody kept saying, welcome back, welcome back. And, uh, you know, I never really left. But, um, <laughs> but I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And um, so it was great to, great to be back in there um, in the action where the, where the competition is. I mean, that's, that's always been the best part uh, for me, playing football. Uh, and second best is being able to coach it. Um, just nowhere, nowhere I'd rather be uh, than on the sideline, uh, coaching our team. Marv Levy used to say that all the time. It still resonates. Uh, know where I'd rather be, when I'd rather be there, something like that. But uh, I felt I felt Marv Levy today. That was uh, that was big, and I was happy. Um, I really wanted that win, um, and, I, and coach was happy. But our players, they wanted it more. You could just tell by the way they were playing and uh, how happy they were. Um, yeah. Cool guy, Jim. He says. Yeah, there's been this narrative this week that he's now a cool guy as opposed to, I, I don't know what he was before. Uh, I'll let the players fill that or explain that. But <laughs> he did say, yeah, he did say after the game that, you know, he, he, he was back where he felt like he should have been or he's supposed to be. I don't know what to make out of that, that those type of comments. But, um, yeah, he, he said, you know, when he got back on the field, you know, pregame, he, he kept, you know, getting folks kept coming up to him, telling him, welcome back, welcome back. And, you know, he felt like he didn't go anywhere just because, you know, he had been around the team all week, the previous three, three weeks with practice and everything else. Um, but, you know, it was good. It was good to see him back. You know, he went through his typical pregame routine with the whistle around the neck. He had the, the, the gloves on the hands, catching passes from the quarterbacks during pregame warmups. It was very much business as usual, Jim. Um, I, I do think the team probably just from a game plan perspective and an offensive standpoint, I think, they definitely uh, embodied more of what, you know, he, he preaches and what he wants to see. Uh, afterwards, you know, he invoked Jim, uh, Bo Schembechler again. How Bo would be happy about Michigan rushing for 200 yards and, and throwing for 200 yards, a line we've heard before. But as I said at the beginning of this podcast, it was very Saturday's performance. It was very Jim Harbaugh-like, Jim Harbaugh-esque. Uh, and it's no surprise with, with him back, uh, back full-time again. Maybe one of the most riveting Jim Harbaugh post-game press conferences that we've been a part of since we've been on this beat. I mean, he got the the media laughing and, and chuckling a few times with and said some interesting stuff too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, yeah surprising to see how uh, uh, how well he handled the the media session. And yeah, maybe maybe he has changed. Maybe he does like the media now and will be more uh, affable moving forward. 
he, he could have headlined the Ann Arbor Comedy Club the other night, and he would have been going, <laughs> he would have done just fine. He was hilarious, and I, I say that sincerely. Like he's not usually a funny dude. Uh, occasionally, they'll throw something out there, but he was genuinely funny Saturday night after the game. Uh, Anything particular stand out that you, that he said that you enjoyed? So he, he had a couple funny lines. He was mentioning his, you know, his dad, his dad, and his 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 mom and dad were in attendance. Um, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain what he said, but he had like three or four zingers uh, that we all thought was we all thought were funny. Do you remember Zook? I mean, he said something like meat grinding to victory and stuff like that. Kind of like that was kind of kind of funny too. And then like uh, how he's like, "Oh, cool guy, Jim." Well, I was dead serious, Jim. And then some. Then or earlier in the week, and then I turned into dead serious, Jim later in the week. So, um, yeah, there's it's. I'm trying to replay it back in my head right now too. But yeah, no, there was there was some good stuff. Maybe it was more so delivery, right? A lot of times, you know, Canadians mm-hmm. are good because of delivery. But Jim was on on the ball. He was he was good. Mm-hmm, sure. I will say the number one takeaway for me from Saturday's game, the game was over by 3 p.m. for a 12 o'clock start. Yeah. Starting to really like these rules, guys, these new rules. I'm telling you. Yeah, two hours and 50 minutes. It was it was something. I mean, there was, that was the thing. Like, this this game only had, you know, uh, 15 drives total. And that, that counts, you know, Rutgers had one, you know, at the end of the first half where – they weren't just giving up on it. They they tried initially to to move the ball, but then once they didn't, they you know they ran out the clock there. Um, that counts. Uh, you know Michigan's nearly seven minute uh, or uh, yeah, nearly seven minute drive. Um, you know to to end the game where they you know didn't score and eventually just ran out the clock. So like uh, you know as far as Michigan actually having chances to score, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six chances. They they punted once on their very first one, and they missed a field goal. Uh, you know, makeable field goal. They missed forty two yards, I think. The others, you know, three touchdowns and a and a field goal, and then they tack on a defensive touchdown on top of it. Like it was pretty efficient. You know, you might look at oh, only thirty one points or whatever, but you got to look at the the way the games played. It wasn't going back and forth. They just they didn't. You know, neither team had the ball all that much, and you know, Michigan made the most out of it. Certainly, way more than Rutgers did. Yeah, when they were on, when they took control of the game, you, you could tell momentum had shifted, that there was basically no way, especially with the way Rutgers was playing. They just couldn't move the football, throwing the ball, it seemed like, in the second half. And you got the sense that this game was over. No, no matter how hard Rutgers tried, whether Michigan scored again or not, it was, it was over. So Michigan really kind of put their foot down. They, they, you know, they instilled their will. They were clearly the better team. Um, and in the game where I think both teams were trying to accomplish the same thing, uh, it was clear Michigan had the, the, the upper hand, and they were just, just frankly, you know, miles better. Michigan up seventeen to seven is still not, you know, still somewhat in, in doubt. Uh, you know, Rutgers has the ball driving, uh, just under five minutes left in the third quarter, and that's when, uh, you know, Mikey Sanders still had that seventy-one yard interception return for a touchdown, jumped the route, um, ended up flipping teammate Junior Colson over his shoulder. Uh, you know, puts his hand on the ground to steady himself. A lot of Rutgers players. Uh, clearly, clearly thought he was down. I think some fans did too. And then all of a sudden, he's you know he's racing you know down the field and he and he scores. So uh, yeah, that gave Michigan a twenty four seven lead, and they ended up scoring early in the fourth quarter again. But um, yeah, pretty pretty dominant effort overall. Um, and you know we we've, we've been wondering like when is Michigan actually going to get tested? Because you know you look at the schedule and it's you know at Nebraska next week now you know first road game especially i guess you know it, it things are going to be a little tougher on the road than they are at home but uh yeah nebraska does not look particularly strong this year neither does minnesota which just lost to northwestern that's next 
Indiana at home after that. Almost lost to Akron this week on Saturday. Akron. Yeah, needed yeah. four overtimes to beat Akron. Um, you know, then they go to Michigan State, which is just a, a mess. Um, yeah, they have a bye. And then we're already into November, and then even that's you know Purdue. So it's you know it's Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State cl- to close the year. The other three, you know, best teams in, in the East, I'd say, and maybe in the conference overall. I mean, I, I might say like a Wisconsin, you know, belongs up there, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, definitely not Iowa, man. I don't think I can watch another Iowa offensive snap the rest of the the rest of the year, man. Oh, that is. Oh, I know Penn State's defense is good, but that was disgusting. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So, did you look at the box score after this one? Iowa had four first downs. Four, four first downs. They have seventy six total yards. Uh, and yeah, they lose thirty one nothing to Penn State. I mean, I don't know. Are you thinking was it more? Yeah, for you that Iowa is just terrible, or? Penn State actually, you know, is a, is a serious threat in the East this year. Maybe it was just when I tuned in because I didn't watch a ton of the game, but I I, would, I checked every now and then between the, the the Ohio State Notre Dame game. But it almost seemed like every time I flipped over to that game, K. McNamara was getting he was running around, getting sacked. Like it didn't seem like their offensive line was holding up, and I was a bit surprised because I've always assumed Iowa's offensive line is is solid. Uh, so I, I don't know what's going on there. The the offense doesn't seem like it's much better. You, you thought that everyone just assumed they were going to take a step forward with Cade and, and Eric Hall and, and some of the, the people they got over there. I just haven't seen it. So I don't think they're that good. Uh, and I do, and I've been I've been be- beating this drum since the season began. I think Penn State is the wild card here. I think they probably have one of the best defenses in the country. They might be better than Michigan by the time we're said and, all said and done. It's just going to matter. It's very much like Michigan where I think Penn State's going to go as far as Drew Allen or the quarterback takes them. So – um, they look very good. I don't think Iowa's as good as maybe some of us thought. Uh, and yeah, I think Michigan's next test is November 11th in, in State College. I don't think they get tested before then. Uh, if Mel Tucker were still around, I'd say Michigan State. But we've seen how Michigan State's kind of imploded here the last couple of weeks. And I don't see that turning around. I mean, Cade McNamara is 5 of 14, 42 yards. He was sacked three times and hur- hurried six more, they say. Uh, and post game quote. This is the worst feeling in the world. I don't remember the last time I've ever felt this bad about a game, let alone a day in my life. I mean, geez. Yeah, things are are are, are tough for Cade McNamara as they are, you know, usually for anyone involved with the Iowa offense the last several years. So, um, yeah, his 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 numbers are, uh, you know, not not very good. I mean, there's he's at like 50 percent passing, um, you know, four touchdowns to three interceptions this year. It's just not it, it's it's not probably going for him the way he thought it would when he transferred there. No, and like Aaron said, I mean, I watched a decent amount of that game too, and he he was underdressed all game, and when he tried to make a, a pass, like no, nobody was open. Like he's he's just throwing it to guys, and it's just there's just no window there to to make a, a to uh, complete that pass either. And it's the the highlight of that game though was early on. He uh, a little play action uh, faked the run, and then he rolled out to his right, and then started running, and then the announcers were like. Oh, wow. he could have ran for so much more, and I guess I guess that second year, I don't think he has a third year. <laughs> just the way he was running, it was not very graceful. But it, I, I kind of got to chuckle out of that too, because as we know, Cade's not really known as a, a dual threat quarterback. But that was their probably their longest play of the game because they didn't get much after that. No, uh, yeah, again, just six completions. Uh, half of them though caught by uh, another former Wolverine, Eric Hall. Uh, so 
yeah, but when you lead the team with three catches and 35 yards, uh, that is that is not ideal. But yeah, I, I don't know. Well, like, what do you? Again, we'll get into Nebraska later in the week. We'll preview each one of these games as they as they come. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. We didn't. We we knew uh, it could be. You know, we knew Michigan's schedule was backloaded when the season started, right? But I mean, for me, that's only become even like more evident as, as you know, four weeks into the season now, um, you know, both because Penn state and Ohio state certainly look as, as good as we thought, if, if not better in the case of Penn state and some of these other teams look even worse. And, and there's no guarantee like Maryland's going to still be good at that point either. Right. Maryland's known for getting off the hot starts and then, right. and then, and then, you know, flaming out toward the end. So now that game is in college park. So who knows, but no, I, I guess it's going to come down for Michigan's going to come down to Penn state and Ohio state game. If they can at least split one of those, uh, they'll probably be in good shape to get in the Big Ten title game and and, mark, and go beyond that. Um, but you don't know. I mean, that game is in State College. We know how Michigan's played there in the past. It's difficult. And we don't know what type of team Ohio State's going to be. I mean, are they going to be that the soft team that gets you know gets beat up the middle? Or are they going to be the team that's going to come out and, and give Michigan a fight? So uh, we, we, I don't think we're going to learn much more about this Michigan team for a few more weeks. It's going to be a while. Uh, and until then, I mean, they're still, still going to probably be, you know, one of the, at least statistically, at least one of the best defenses in the country. Um, we'll probably see them incorporate some more, you know, in the uh, the offense. Um, but it, it's really hard to glean from this these games, right? Like Rutgers was a test. I mean, they were Big Ten players. There were some quality players there. They were three, you know, coming in. So it's the best thing we have to go on at this point. But I don't think it's anywhere near what Penn State or Ohio State are going to bring. So what, you mentioned if they have one loss, you think they're still going to get in the Big Ten title game. And why do you think they they would have the tiebreaker over Ohio State and Penn State? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if like Ohio State beats Penn State or vice versa, and the other team you know loses to Michigan. I mean, right now it's clear to me those are the three teams in the East, right? Like it's going to become one of them. Right. Right. I mean, what is the tiebreaker? That I, I I'm trying I'm trying to rack my brain here. I don't really know what what the tiebreaker would be because uh, I mean I feel like whoever plays the tougher schedule should probably get that but i mean i don't think mission would would fall into that category yeah but, i mean well what three yeah. three team tie with the same big 10 record you're saying and they all, they right. all split against each other yeah i mean it goes down the line with the next um next place team like your record against them but uh yeah we're obviously not there yet but that, that is inter- is interesting but I, I guess i'll just be blunt before the november 11th game against P- penn state uh will michigan will uh, an opponent be within single digits of michigan I could see it happening. I could see Nebraska this this game Saturday, Nebraska being close. Remember, two years ago, Michigan was I think a big big favorite going out there as well, and they ended up being a close game. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me if, if Nebraska keeps it close. Last I checked, the point spread was seventeen, uh, and as we know, Michigan hasn't been able to cover yet this year. So uh, and the, the total is like forty two. So they're expecting a low scoring, uh, you know, a low scoring game. So it would not shock me if Nebraska hangs in there. Other than that, I don't see Minnesota doing it. I don't see Purdue doing it. Maybe Michigan State decides to throw something out there, but given the state of that program right now and, and some of those kids are, are – we're seeing uh, recruits decommit, and it wouldn't shock me if you see some players hit the transfer portal here in the coming weeks. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it's possible, but – it's it's I don't know it's hard to say at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Aaron. I think the breast are just with with their the way their defense plays, and if they can just not turn the ball over and get a decent quarterback play against Michigan, I mean you know that that environment can get pretty rowdy. I can see it being a, a touchdown game, but yeah, I think the 
the next four games are going to be buys. Basically, it's it's going to be ugly, and uh, then we'll be counting down towards toward, towards the Penn State game. It's wild. We're even having that conversation. We're about to get in the you know meat heart of Big Ten play, and it's like, oh, will they even have a game that's like competitive? Well, let's be fair. I mean, the Big Ten isn't very good this year, based on what we've seen so far. It's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and a significant drop off after that. There's Significant drop. Yeah, so yes. Like it, it, I don't know. I don't know what to make. I don't know who's going to come out of the West at this point. I think we all thought it was going to be Iowa preseason. Wisconsin's gotten better. Um, Illinois is always a problem, but they've had their struggles too. Like I don't, I don't know what to make of the West either. So it's, it's really up for grabs. For I think for the first time, generally in, in the last you know five to ten years, there's no clear front run in the Big Ten, which I think is fascinating. It's. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really excited to see it, watch this play out. Unfortunately for Michigan and Michigan fans, they're probably gonna have to wait another six weeks to to learn uh, learn much more. Yeah, that'd be you know Michigan fans watching that game. I think you know most of them were rooting for Notre Dame or just more just rooting against Ohio State. I suppose is how it is. But are, are in an interesting spot when those two teams uh, play each other. But yeah, I mean you can't deny that that was a you know impressive road win against a top ten team, and you know. Penn State obviously just dominated, uh, you know, in their game. So yeah, it's uh, the the top of the East looks looks very strong. Um, but again, Michigan does not play any of those teams till the end of the year. Um, all right, we will have plenty more coverage on mlive.com/slash Wolverines of Jim Harbaugh's press conference on Monday and other developments throughout the week leading up to Michigan's uh, game at Nebraska next Saturday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>